0: And there is a huge difference between those two things. You can know a lot about something, but have no experience of it. I've seen people before read travel magazines. And you know, they'll, they'll read a magazine and say, Oh, well, Rome looks like such a wonderful place. In Rome, you have the Colosseum, and, and you have this, and you have that. And you think that simply by reading the travel brochure on Rome that you know the city. But guess what? You don't really know it until you visit, until you go there, until you stand on the streets, until you look around and just allow the city to, to speak to you. Only then do you truly have experience of going there. When, uh, when I lived in Kuwait, I think I've said this before here, that um, I was the pastor over three different congregations, a lot of people, and I would regularly speak in other congregations as well, a lot, a lot of people, thousands of different people I would see on a weekly basis. And it was inevitable if we were out shopping or if I was doing a hospital visitation or I was out somewhere, I would hear someone come up to me and say, Pastor Steve, and I'd turn around and, and, and they, there'd be someone standing there. And they would say, Pastor Steve, it's good to see you. And I'd say, yeah, it's good to see you. They'd say, how's Naomi and the girls? Oh, Naomi and the girls are great. Naomi had a cold. Is she better now? Yeah, yeah, she, she's, she's done her cold. I hear you're going on vacation next week. Yeah, yeah, I'm going on vacation next week. Oh, that's great. And, and this and then that. And, and this person seemed to know everything there was to know about me. And yet, I was sitting there thinking to myself, I have never seen this person before in my entire life. I have absolutely no idea of who this person is. You see, that just goes to show you that you can know a lot about someone without necessarily knowing that person at all. And by extension, can I say today, as we prepare for this communion table, you can know a lot about the truth. You can know a lot about Jesus. But not have a personal relationship with Him. I want us to turn our Bibles to Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 to 23. Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 to 23. This is what it says Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? And I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. I never knew you. Depart from me, you evildoers. Our faith is not a religion. Some people look at Christianity as a religion, but it is not technically that. There are many world religions. What is a religion? A religion is a man-made series of rules and regulations designed to help a person to achieve salvation. That is what religion means. But our faith is not religion, it is relationship. At its very heart is a relationship with a living person. It is a relationship with Jesus Christ. This passage says several things that are important for us to hear this morning. Number one, it says that when it comes to our faith, words are not enough. Words are not enough. You can know all the right words and still not have a relationship. God says here, not everyone who comes to me and says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. You can know that Jesus is Lord, but not receive Him as your Lord. You can have the intellectual knowledge, you can intellectually assent to the truth of what the Bible says, but not receive that truth and make that truth your own. When we lived in Kuwait, very often I would have Muslim leaders come up to me and, and they would call ahead, they would make an appointment. And these were people who just like to argue. They had read through the Bible, they had read through it, they had picked out all the parts they didn't like, and they would come in and they would just start quoting verses out of the Bible, out of context, saying, well, what about this? Well, what about this? If you say Jesus is actually God, well, what about this? And it always amazed me that as they were quoting all these Bible verses, I would say to them something like, you know what? You know the Bible better than a lot of Christians I know. (laughs) You can quote chapter and verse. But you know what it's not enough to know what the bible says you have to believe it you have to receive it james said it this way in james 2:14. what good is it my brothers if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds can such faith save him suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food if one of you says to him go i wish you well keep warm and well fed but does nothing about his physical needs what good is it In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Well, show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. You believe that there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You don't think the devil knows who Jesus is? You don't think the devil understands who God is? The devil knows the truth. It's just that he doesn't accept the truth. It is one thing to know that Jesus is Lord. It's another thing to say that Jesus is your Lord. You cannot simply know that there is a gift of salvation. You must receive the gift of salvation. You must do something about it. You must make it your own remember seeing this one cartoon. And in this cartoon, it was that story in the Bible when Jesus says, Who do the people say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And one of the disciples stands up and he says this, Jesus, you are the eschatological manifestation of the ground of our being. The in which we find the ultimate meaning of our interpersonal relationships. And the next frame it says Jesus going, What? What? <laughs> There's a lot of very smart people in the world that are very dumb. You ever notice that? There's a lot of people that have a lot of education and they've read a lot of books and they can quote all these different authors and they can use all these great big words. But you know what? For all their education, for all their learning, they're dumb. They come up with with the wrong conclusions. I once heard this or saw this show, The Great Resurrection Debate. It was a video where there was kind of an evangelical pastor who was debating the fact that Jesus did raise from the dead. And there was a United Church uh, scholar there who was arguing against it, saying that Jesus didn't raise from the dead, saying it wasn't necessary for the Christian faith that Jesus rose from the dead. And this guy quoted all kinds of different authors, and he had read so many books, and he had so many degrees behind his name, and yet he was totally and absolutely wrong you can know all the right things and still not be a follower of Jesus someone once said this it's not what you eat but it's what you digest that makes you strong it's not what you gain it's what you save that makes you rich it's not what you read but what you remember that makes you learn and it's not what you profess it is what you practice that makes you a Christian heard the story that there was this guy who drove a bus for the city And every day he would drive his route many times. He would go all the way around his route and he'd get back to the bus terminal. When he got back to the bus terminal, he had to wait half an hour before he would start out again. But you see, there was a problem. That bus terminal was kind of in the heart of the city and it was in kind of a very bad neighborhood. And all beside this bus terminal, there was this huge open field. And the field was just littered with garbage and there were weeds and there was graffiti sprayed all over the walls of the building around it. And it was just awful looking. It was a terrible eyesore. And every day this guy would go around and he'd do his route. And he'd come back there and for half an hour he'd sit in his bus. And he'd look at this disgusting field. And he'd say to himself, somebody ought to do something about this. Somebody ought to clean this up. And yet day after day, week after month, week, month after month, year after year, nobody did anything. And so one day he says, you know what, enough's enough. And he opened up the door of his bus. And he went walking over to that field. All the other drivers are sitting there wondering, what is this guy doing? And he went over with a green garbage bag and he started picking up some of the garbage. And he filled very quickly a bag full of garbage. And he did his route. He went around. And when he came back, he went out. And again, he picked up some more garbage. And he started doing that going around every time he got back to the bus terminal he'd go out and he'd do a little bit started pulling up some of the weeds started cleaning up the field a little bit and pretty soon the other drivers began noticing that there was a difference and so they too joined in and pretty soon they were bringing flower seeds and planting it in that field and they brought paint and they covered over all that graffiti and pretty soon that field that empty lot became one of the most beautiful places in the entire city there was running water there were beautiful murals on the buildings around it there were flowers planted it was like a garden people actually would ride the bus all the way to the end and wait there for the 30 minutes to go back around just so they could see that beautiful empty lot you know what that empty lot never would have changed if that man had just sat in his bus and looked out and said someone should do something about this It wasn't until he opened up the door and took the bag and went out and started picking up the trash that something happened. And the Christian faith is like that. You can know what you're supposed to do, but until you do it, it means absolutely nothing. In the book of Revelations to the church in Ephesus, the angel writes, you are orthodox in your faith. In other words, you believe all the right things. But you have lost your first love. And then it says, repent. Repent. Words are not enough. Number one. But then in verse 22, it goes on to say this. That works are not enough. It says here that many on that day, many, a lot of people, are going to stand before God on the day of judgment. And they're going to point to their works. And they're going to try to justify their life based on their actions. It says that people will come and they will say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in Your name and in Your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Hey, that's pretty good. (laughs) Driving out demons, performing miracles. Hey, that's, that's pretty good. And yet, you hear those words, depart from Me. I never knew you. Because just doing the right stuff is not good enough. It's not good enough. You can go to church all your life. You can go to Sunday school class. You can sing in the choir. You can be an usher. You can get baptized because you're getting married and you have to. You can do all the right things and yet still not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, Muslims believe that we go through life and we have two angels that sit on our shoulders. There's the the good angel and the bad angel. The one writes down all the good stuff you do and the other writes down all the bad stuff you do. And someday you die and you appear before God and the one angel comes up and says, Okay, in his lifetime he did 1,333,000 good things. And the other angel says, okay, he did 1,343,000 bad things. Oh, more bad than good, I'm sorry. You don't get to go to heaven. If there's one more bad thing than good thing, that's it. But if there's one more good thing than bad thing, well, totally different. That's a terrible understanding of what salvation really means. The Bible says that God has one standard, and that standard is perfection. If you have ever thought something negative, if you have ever said something negative, if you have ever done anything negative, then you are worthy of hell. That we are born fallen creatures living in a fallen world. And there is absolutely nothing, nothing we can do to earn our salvation. But the good news of the Gospel is that Jesus has died for our sins. The good news is that in Christ it's not about what we have to pay. It's who pays our sin. You can pay for them yourself or you can let Jesus pay them for you. You can trust in your own life and your own good works or you can accept and receive the righteousness that Jesus offers us through His death on the cross. Salvation should lead to good works, but the reverse is not true. Good works does not lead to salvation. It does not do it. Words are not enough. Works are not enough. What does it take? Does Jesus know you? Does Jesus know you? to have a personal relationship with Him. You know, this word no in the original Greek is an interesting word. There's a lot of different words in the Greek that mean no. One word is the word epistemi. It means to understand. One is the word edo, which means to perceive through one of the senses. Another is the word tsunami, which means that you can logically put things together and understand what's happening. But none of those words are used in this passage. When Jesus says, I never knew you, He uses the word gnosko. And the word gnosko is a very special word in the Greek language. It means more than just an intellectual assent. Maybe you've heard me say this before, but it's the same word used when Mary is told that she is going to have a baby. Mary says to the angel, how can this be since I have never known a man. Well, what does that mean? Mary had never known a man. Didn't she know her father? I mean, she had met her father before. She had spent time with her father. She had never met any men in her entire life. She didn't understand what a man was. No, of course she knew. She understood. She'd met people before. She'd met men before. What the word means here is that she didn't have an intimate understanding of men. That she'd never had sex before. She understood the birds and the bees. She knew all the mechanics. But she didn't have a personal experience of it. And that's what this word connotes. It means that, gnosko means a personal understanding of something. And what Jesus is saying here is that I never knew you. In other words, even though you may have known the right words, even though you had done all the right things, I never had a personal relationship with you. We had never talked. We didn't walk together. We didn't didn't know each other. You didn't spend time with me. You did what you did out of religious rule, out of religious ritual. That's not enough. It's not enough to be born Mennonite. Just being born a Mennonite doesn't get you to heaven, you know, any more than being born in McDonald's makes you a hamburger or being born in a garage makes you a car. You know, it doesn't work that way. And you know what? It doesn't matter what your parents did, God has no grandchildren. It doesn't matter how godly your parents were or how godly your family was before you. Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? There's an old term, face the music. You know, if you're not careful, you're going to have to face the music for your actions. What does that mean? Well, supposedly the term face the music came out of an old Japanese play. In the play, there was an orchestra that was selected to play for the emperor. And these were the very best musicians chosen from all across the nation of Japan and leading this great orchestra was this conductor. And this conductor would pick only the best of the musicians. And it was a very prestigious occupation. It was a very prestigious thing to be selected to be in the emperor's orchestra. Well, there was this rich man. And this rich man came and he would listen to this orchestra play for the emperor. And he became very jealous. He wanted the prestige of being in that orchestra. And so he went to the conductor and he said, I want you to put me in the orchestra. And the conductor said, certainly. Let me hear you play an instrument. And the man said, oh, I can't play any instrument. He said, well, if you can't play an instrument, you you can't be in the orchestra. And the man said, look, I will pay you a lot of money. And when the orchestra comes out, I will join them. And when they play, I will simply take a flute and I will raise it to my lips and I will go through the motions of playing without actually ever uttering a sound. And that's what happened. He bribed the conductor, he joined the orchestra, and for years this man followed the orchestra around. When it came to play before the emperor, this man would come in dressed like one of the members of the orchestra. He would sit down and as they began to play, he would raise the instrument to his lips and he would act as if he was playing. He got away with it for years until one day the conductor died and a new conductor was hired. A man that couldn't be bribed. And the first day, this new conductor came to the orchestra and said, Okay, we're starting from scratch. I want to hear all of you come and play for me so I can hear how talented you are. And that man tried slipping out the back. And someone grabbed him and said, You first. Come up here. And they brought him up and they sat him down. And the conductor took out a piece of music and he put it down in front of the man and he said, Okay, play. Show me what you got. And the man raised the flute to his mouth and didn't make a sound. He couldn't face the music. Someday we all have to face the music. Someday all of us are going to have to stand before an almighty God in heaven. And we are going to be held accountable for the things that we have done and the things that we have undone on this earth. And on that day, just knowing the right words is not going to be enough. And on that day, pointing back and saying, yes, but I did this. You know, I went to that camp. And I went to that thing. And and I did this. And I served here. And I, I helped out over here. Not enough. Did you know me? Did you walk with me? Did we talk together? Did we cry together when you were sad? Did we laugh together when we were happy? Was there a personal relationship? You know, you can say that someone is your best friend, but if you never talk to that person, are they really? You can say that someone is your best friend, but if you ignore that person and never talk to that person and just never hang out together, are they really? As we come to this table... As we come to this time of communion, there is only one prerequisite. Only one prerequisite for taking this cup, for taking this bread. And that is, do you know the Lord? Are you walking with the Lord? Do you have a right relationship with Him? This is not an EMMC table. This is a table for all who call Jesus Christ Lord and who follow Him. Let's bow our hearts together in a word of prayer. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for this day. We're thankful, Lord, that we can come together. We can gather together in this place as your family. And Lord, we can just share around this table. Lord, this is something that goes back right to the beginning, to the early church. But Father, we join with Christians, with fellow believers from all around the world. Lord, I pray that as we come to this table today, that, Father, You would seek our hearts. And that, Father, we would ask ourselves the question, do we really know You? Oh, not that we know about You. Not that we do things for You. But do we really know You? Not that we understand the gift of salvation, but have we accepted it? Have we received it? Have we made it our own? Father, we pray that this would be a a blessed time wonderful time of communion with You. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.